Welcome to Stirring Words, where health and fitness experts Kim Taylor and Judy Ulrey explore God's wisdom on wellness. Listen in now on their weekly phone conversation. Miss Kimberly. Judy, what's going on in your world today? Well, it is just another day of clinging to the Lord, which is a good day. Yes, we need the Lord every single day. And we've been talking about the role our beliefs can play in maintaining a healthy weight and lifestyle. So I'm going to share an insight I gained about the world's first emotional eater who just happened to be Eve, the world's first woman. We'll talk about why I concluded that she was the world's first emotional eater. And you'll see that the enemy has been using emotional eating as a weapon against humankind since the beginning of time. So I'm going to ask that you pray us in, Judy, and please read the focus scripture for this episode, which is Genesis chapter three, verses one through six. Absolutely. Gracious, gracious father, it is astounding to think that we have profound lessons awaiting us from the first days of your creation. And it is sad to contemplate that the very first couple that you placed in a perfect garden doubted you, doubted your goodness, doubted your wisdom, and demanded their own way. And Lord, on behalf of all those listening, we confess, we can relate. We do the same. We doubt, we demand, we declare to our demise. So Lord, be with us. Speak to us through this passage in Genesis. Your children are listening. For we ask it in the name and the power of Jesus. Amen. So Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6, read. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. And he ate. Wow. And that is something. That is really something. And I can actually imagine her when the enemy said that, well, first of all, she said that God said she shouldn't touch it, 
which, you know, she added that little bit in there. But in when she said that God says that she's going to die, the enemy said, you're not going to die. I can imagine when she first took touched the fruit and she didn't die immediately. She was like, hmm, OK, so I didn't die. You know, but the thing is, the Lord didn't say when he just said they would, which they did. But in any case, as I was reading this story, I highlighted some words and phrases that stood out to me. And what stood out to me in particular was what the enemy said. And then there was a couple of things as to how she responded to what the enemy said. So I bolded, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then in Eve's response, I highlighted saw, pleasant, desirable, took, and ate. So the Bible actually tells us that the serpent was described as cunning. And that's a word word that we don't really hear that much in our current um, society. But the Bible actually tells us he was cunning, which means having skill in achieving one's ends by deceit or evasion. So even though we may not necessarily hear the word cunning very much, we see it in action everywhere in our society where we're seeing lies to achieve a particular end by deceit or evasion. And I think about a fisherman because a skilled fisherman is not going to use any old lure to catch the fish. Rather, he's going to use a lure that resembles something that he knows the fish likes. So the lure is the object of the fish's desire. And that's what I decided to call this session, the object of desire or AKA what Eve believed. And even when I look at that title, the object of desire, I actually did a flashback to when I was a teenager because I thought to myself, you know what? That would be the perfect title of a romance novel book, the object of desire. But in this particular instance, we have to watch out for our heart desires because that desire is going to lead us in a particular direction. Think about it. Lures are effective because up until that moment of capture, the fish believes that the lure is going to deliver on its promise of a tasty meal. And in Eve's case, we can see that the enemy's lure are the benefits he said were going to be hers if she disobeyed God and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is what the enemy told her. He said that her eyes are going to be opened and that she was going to be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, mind you, Eve was already made in God's image, but She had only known what is good. And I'm thinking that Eve must have assumed that evil is a gooder good or a better form of good. But unfortunately for her and for us, she was wrong. So, Judy, I'm just curious. What are your thoughts about the cunning way? Because we talked about the 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 enemy uses deceit and lies to achieve his ends. So what are your thoughts about the cunning way? 
that the enemy can lure us, use our own desires and lure us into making poor health choices. What are your thoughts about that? My thoughts are, it makes me livid and motivated. And here's why. Satan wants us to fail. Brothers and sisters listening to this right now, Satan wants you to fail. Satan wants Kim and I to fail. And Satan uses our weaknesses to trip us up. And I so appreciate, I mean, Kim, you did a whole series on help me with the specific phrase, but it's was really how Satan works behind the scenes. Satan wants us to fail. And just in the past several weeks, you did this whole series on Satan's lies. And you shared several of the bold-faced lies that you fell for when you were really diligently trying to make not only more helpful choices, but godly choices. So just to, I was just reminiscing on my own, but I know it really applies to all of us. And it's the pounding of the fist. I must have this. I mean, that is just the generic bold face lie. I must have this. You know, whether it's a food or it's something that is, you know, a new car, a new job, a relationship, a baby. I don't care what it is. It's the pounding of the fist. I must have this. And I won't be happy until I do, until that condition is met. And for me, my biggest, biggest, biggest lie is my comfort right now is paramount. And for me, that comes in, I mean, I've been very blessed. I'm not uncomfortable because I'm sleeping under a bridge at night. But for me, it's neighbor's noise, long lines. It's how dare you disrupt my comfort and my bliss. And Kim, you and I have discussed this many times, and we're going to discuss it every single week for the rest of our lives, if that's what it takes. That is when the focus is on me, my wants, my desires, what I think, versus to what does God call me, which is connection with him, which is contentment with him, which is faith in him, which is acknowledgement of his sovereignty. And he has said he will direct your paths. And if he has direct your paths in a place where there's temptation or there's discomfort or there's whatever it is, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. But that's not what Satan wants. He wants us to go sideways and be just like Eve. I want it. I want it now. And I'm eating it. Hmm. Hmm. And that is so true, Judy. One of the things that I recall many years ago, a lady wrote to me about a temptation that she was facing. And she was talking about how she had this feeling of, I can't stand this. I can't handle this. This was the lie 
that the enemy was telling her is that she lacked the resources to handle that particular situation, that temptation. It was so strong and she just felt like I can't do it anymore. So she went to actually get the thing that was calling her to say, uh, you need to get this. You must get this or you're going to die or something's going to happen. If you don't, you're going to fall apart if you don't get this. And she believed the lie and she went for it. But that is the enemy's lies. He wants us to keep our focus on ourselves instead of the promise that the Lord has told us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So even in that moment of temptation, the Lord is with you to help you and give you whatever it is that you need at that moment, the strength to handle that. But if we believe the enemy's lies that we can't handle this and we need to go get that thing that promises to give us peace and give us contentment, then that puts us even more so in darkness and under the enemy's feet, if we believe those lies. So thank you so much, sister. In Eve's case, what she did was when the enemy told her these things, rather than putting some distance between herself and that tempting tree, she started to consider it based on the enemy's word and the food fight was on. So I'm going to read that critical decision point. Let's go back to that. And when Eve gave into the temptation, let's look at that. So these are the words again. So when the woman saw, because obviously it was in her line of sight, she put herself in that position, saw that the tree was good for food. She concluded it was, even though concluding that was a contradiction to what God said, that the tree was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable. That's the decision point. It's desirable. To make one wise, then she took of its fruit and she ate. And so I thought about this scripture is James chapter one, verse 13 through 15, because it gives us a truth about temptation. And here's what it reads. Let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So think about this. Obviously, the tree did not have power to move itself. So Eve moved herself into the tree's proximity so that she could see it. And this is a question that I want to ask you, or I want you to ask yourself rather, regarding food temptations. Since the food is an inanimate object and cannot move itself, are you moving yourself to be closer to that object or else are you moving the object closer to you? So we're going to revisit this question in our action items at the end of this particular session. So let's talk about Eve again, and we're going to see how you can descend into temptation, into going for it. As Eve looked at the tree, because it was in her proximity, her line of sight, she drew a few conclusions. First of all, that the tree was good for food. And like I mentioned earlier, this conclusion was a contradiction to what God had told Adam that he would die if he ate of the tree. So in order to draw this conclusion that the tree was good for food, 
then Eve had to believe that God lied. Second thing, the tree was pleasant to the eyes. Eve admired the tree's beauty and it made her feel good to look at it. So that's like a little fleshly stimulation. She felt like it was pleasant to look at. So that's second. And then finally, and this one to me was like the kicker in making or at least um, having Eve take that that next step to actually grabbing hold of that fruit. She said or she concluded that the tree was desirable to make one wise. And so I decided that I wanted to take a look at that word desire. And so I did. I decided that because it just it just echoed in my spirit, desire, desire, desire. What's so um, important about the word desire? And so when I looked up the word desire, desirable means that it's something that you wanted or wish for as being an attractive, useful, or, and get this, necessary course of action. And you know what, Judy? That stopped me in my tracks. The word necessary. And I thought to myself, you know what? Necessary is interesting because that means, and I looked that word up too, what necessary means is that it is required to be done. It's required to be achieved. It's required to be present. It also means it's something that is needful, needed. It's essential. And when you think about something that is essential, then that means that it is a basic requirement of life, such as food and warmth. So whatever it is, and you said that it's something, or in Eve's case, it's something desirable. We have to think about this truth and that the Bible does not tell us that Eve was hungry at all. And this is why I said that she was the world's first emotional eater, because the Bible doesn't tell us that she um, needed food at that particular time. But it did say that she desired to eat of that tree, even though she was not hungry. She wanted to get whatever the enemy promised would be hers if she disobeyed God and eat of it. So Eve within herself had elevated her wanting to eat of that tree as necessary and a requirement because this is what the enemy does and what he does so often in in us Like I mentioned with the lady that said that she had this temptation in the middle of the night to go to the convenience store and get whatever it was that she wanted to get because she felt like she couldn't stand it if she didn't. What the enemy does is he sparks a fear of missing out in Eve, he did in her and in the rest of us and elevates our desire to something that we feel like we need in order to live. That if we don't get this thing, that we are going to die without it. And there's a scripture actually in Hebrews that talks about how the enemy keeps mankind in bondage through the fear of death. Like we're going to die if we don't get this thing. Like we need it to live. 
And that is his classic strategy, one of his classic strategies to help us forget that our lives are in Christ Jesus, that through him we have the breath of life. But he wants to take our focus off Jesus and put it on ourselves like we have to provide for our own lives. We've got to get this thing if we want to live. So, Judy, I am curious again, because this really is a deep subject about the object of desire and to really search inwardly to ask ourselves, what is it that we really want? So what are your thoughts about ensuring that our desires, the things that we want most, line up with God's desires for consistency in our health goals or in battling any other temptation that we're faced with? Well, you know what, Tim, like I said earlier, it really frustrates me, but it 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 shakes me because, again, you have warned us in many times, Satan wants us to fail. He prowls around looking for people to destroy. And I mean God's people. So every single one of our listeners who is committed to reading God's word and following God's ways is a prime target for Satan. And he uses our weaknesses And some of those weaknesses are things that have been, you know, stirred up by our experiences or by our scars. And so they run deep. They run really deep. And so those desires, they're not rational necessarily, but they run very deep. And I just want to share with our audience some stuff that's going on with me because I feel like I mean, I've shared it before and I don't, and sometimes it almost like I'm flipping about, oh, I can get cranky in the line at the grocery store. But this issue of going to anger is deep seated and it is sin and Satan loves for me to be sideways in anger or rage and or rage over some stupid thing, because then I am certainly far from content in the spirit. And I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters in Christ who are listening, he does the same with you and food. Every time, especially evenings or when you're hungry or you're at church and there's all kinds of decadent desserts being dangled under your nose, just think of Eve. But what I would share, and again, I'm just really hoping that, I mean, I am praying diligently, God, change my heart. God, you have to change those inner hurts because what's happening for me is I am all of a sudden surrounded by construction noise. I have a house across the street and now two up the hill where there are dump trucks, full of dirt, rambling down the road. They're um, grading. So, and then of course, trucks now, because we have this smart society, they can't back up without it beeping. And I'm just at literally yesterday, there was a parade of bulldozers going down my street. That sends me to the moon. And Satan 
loves that reaction. And when you said that about your client, Kim, I'm like, I can get, I get that. Your client said, I can't stand this. My, what, how I would interpret it, this is, I can't stand this. My serenity is necessary. I can't survive with this noise. And the question I have for myself and for anyone and everyone listening, what is most important, my comfort or God's calling? So when you're feeling, Lord, to skip your evening exercise, what is most important, your comfort or God's calling? When you're feeling, Lord, to eat something that you know is sabotage, what is most important, your desire or God's calling? And so when I'm spewing venom about these huge trucks rambling around my house, I have to, I just have to sit down and ask myself, Judith, what is most important right now? Your comfort, your peace, or God's calling? And ironically, Kim, oh my gosh, I could ramble about this. Out of nowhere, like I really, this fell out of the sky and I don't have it here. I should have written it down to share with our audience was it wasn't the love your neighbor, but it was a love your, one of the many love your neighbor verses. And I'm like, okay, seriously, God, why? <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm not only not loving, I'm ready to go over there and rip them. Right. So for all of us, myself included, what yeah. verses will we claim? Will we memorize? Will we, will we say aloud? When that dog, Satan, is trying to spin us out of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is absolutely true, Judy. And I'm so thankful that the Lord gave us the word and he inspired the disciple, the writers of the Bible with his truth that we can hold on to. And it, the word says that we get patience and we get comfort from the scriptures and I'm so grateful for that. And even as you were talking about asking yourself, you know, what do I want? Do I want my own comfort or do I want what God's calling? Then it reminded me of a, a quote, actually, that I read online. And to me, it kind of encapsulates what you're saying. But listen to this definition of discipline. It says that discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Oh, my gosh. Okay, everybody take out your pencils and paper. Write that down. Can you say that again, please? I will repeat it. I will repeat it. It says discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And that's that's really it. We have to make our decisions because the enemy, he already knows what our where our vulnerable points are. So we need to settle in our hearts what we want most so that when those temptations come to direct our attention to something that we want to do right now for our own comfort, then we're reminded of what it is that we want most. And, and like you, Judy, I know that I've settled in my heart and I know that our listeners have too. They haven't. Take it as to the Lord in prayer. But what we want most is God's calling on our lives to be fulfilled so that we could testify to other people who do not yet know Jesus as their savior. We want to be able to give them their, our testimony 
of victory and the difference the Lord is making in our lives so that they will have hope too, where they will see us as lights in these dark places. But, you know, we're not able, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, unless we're able to receive the comfort that the Lord promises and in those moments of temptation, receive his confidence, his comfort, his wisdom, his strength in those moments, rather than trying to make it happen ourselves, then we're not going to have the comfort to be able to give to others. We're not going to have the wisdom and the strength to give to others because we have not yet received it from the Lord ourselves. So that is something that is so important that we need to check our desires and ensure that our desires, that they are centered on what we want most. And that will override what we want right now. Now, certainly we don't want to make things harder than they have to be and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to center my heart on what I want most. But at the same time, I'm going to keep these ho-hos in my house that I know always, always tempts me to binge. You know, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, right. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, that's the enemy. He's probably sitting back just saying ho, ho, ho to you because you're making that mistake. So we don't want any unnecessary food fights. But what we do want to do is have our hearts centered on what we want most. So when those unexpected temptations come up, then we're able to handle it. So, Judy, I'm actually going to give our listeners an action item for this week, and it's going to actually go back to the question that I asked earlier about lures and examining our own hearts and what enemy, what promise the enemy is luring us with to hook us concerning emotional eating. And let me repeat that question. What is the underlying promise or lure the enemy is using to hook you concerning emotional eating? And you have to think about it. Do the temptations promise you a feeling of joy? Does it promise peace? Does it promise a feeling of love that you're special, that you belong? So we need to look at that. And I want you also, so that was part one, to journal about that. What is that lure that the enemy's promising you that if you go for this temptation, you're going to get this? And then the second one is, I want you to audit your environment, to take a look around at where you keep your food. And I want you to determine if you're keeping any food temptations close like Eve did because she was able to see the tree. That means she moved herself into that proximity because, of course, the tree can't move itself. So food in a similar fashion is an inanimate object and it can't move itself. So did you move yourself closer to be with that particular object or did you move the object closer to you? And then the other questions that you want to ask yourself is, do you have fearful or deprivation thoughts of creating distance between yourself and that object of desire? And then if someone else brought that temptation closer to you, you can ask God in prayer, say, Lord, how can I either negotiate, talk with this person who brought this and ask them to move that out of my circle Or say, how can I block my vision of it and create distance between myself and this object of my desire? But even more importantly, we want to ensure that our desires are in line with God's desires. 
So, Judy, do you have any final thoughts or comments that you want to make? And I will pray out after that. By the power granted you through the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ, defeat the devil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Because we have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. And the scripture tells us that we need to be sober, that we need to be vigilant because the enemy is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we will not give him that permission to devour us. So let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Open up our eyes, Lord. Exchange hearts of stone for a heart of flesh, one that is centered on our desire for you. Help us to delight ourselves in you, Father, because you said if we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desire of our hearts. And we want that desire more than anything else in this world. So, Father, I ask that you give us the desires of our hearts so that they line up with your desire for our calling so that you can see your desire for us to be fulfilled, our calling to be fulfilled. And Lord, help us to recognize the enemy's schemes and let us be wise and not make it easy for him to win. Where we look around our environment and we know very well the things that tend to trip us up, where we remove that, where we keep distance from that thing to make our lives easier so that we will make a straight path for our feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated again, but rather be healed. We thank you, Lord. We honor and we glorify you. And it's in Jesus's name that we pray. Amen. Amen, sister. Go defeat the devil through the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. We are well armed and we don't fight alone, but we have the Lord on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Yes, ma'am. Okay, sister. Well, God willing, we will talk again next week. Yes, we will. Love you big. I love you too, sister. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Stirring Words. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a session. And please tell your friends about us. If you'd like to dig deeper into this week's message, you can reach Kim at TakeBackYourTemple.com and Judy at HolyHealthClub.com. Until next week, may you be stirred by God's transformative word.